0: Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm one of your hosts, Lexi.
1: I'm Anne.
2: And I'm Dallas. And we are Team Rocket, blasting off again. Oh no. (laughs) Meowth, that's right. (laughs) Alexis is Meowth.
0: I am Meowth, let's be real. I knew that was coming. I accept my fate. I will forever be that dumb little cat that I kind of love kind of hate but i like (laughs)
2: this real quick about team rocket i love that there's one pokemon in the whole universe that's allowed to talk and all he wants to say is stupid shit like that rules (laughs) that
0: makes sense you cannot tell me that you can look at a pokemon and think that they have anything productive to say
2: he's literally the smartest pokemon on earth and he's a moron
1: um Actually, um, Ugh, you, well, Mewtwo actually, can also talk, um, and so can uh, yeah, the one Slowking from Pokemon Three, the one with Entei. You know, you gotta you gotta get up on your Pokemon lore, Dallas. I, uh, I expect more. I did forget
2: gotta... the Mewtwo can talk,
1: but also Mewtwo scares the shit out of me. I, Mewtwo Mew, slays. <laughs> we have the two the two genders: Meowth, who can talk and only says dumb shit, and Mewtwo, who can, who can talk but can only bitch. The two yeah. the two genders, that's and I'm so like, awesome. that's perfect. Pokemon are peak.
2: Somehow both are trans coded as well. (laughs) Which, which kind of Pokemon is your trans friend, a Mewtwo trans friend or a Meowth trans friend?
1: On a good day, it's both. (laughs) Oh,
2: okay. That's the comics collective right there. One minute and 47 seconds
0: Welcome back to our Pokemon podcast, I guess.
2: If
1: we keep this up, we're going to turn into what's next.
0: Oh, whoops! (laughs) Got him.
1: That that is consistently a fever dream.
0: It's a lovely fever fever dream,
1: dream, though. Everyone, you should go listen to Dallas's other podcast. What's next?
0: I never have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You would enjoy. Okay, look, they just they're so great together. It's perfect chemistry.
2: We just grouse. Sometimes I think about recording the forty-minute conversation we have before the episode every time. But then I also don't want to give away my special just us talking for no one mm-hmm. else time.
1: That is true. That is very true. Very fair. Oh, just know that you're missing out, everyone listening. Yeah. Um missing something That's special. True. But yeah, you know what? Awesome. <laughs> Lexi, this was your pick <laughs> this week. Talk yeah. to us about the book.
0: Oh, my goodness, you guys. We read a doozy. We have a lot of opinions (laughs) about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, If you tuned in at the last of last week's episode, we said that we would be covering Seven to Eternity by Rick Remander and...
2: Jerome.
0: Jerome. Opeña. Opeña. Forgive me, everyone. At least I remembered Rick's name. That's, That's progress. Look at me, growth. I remembered who wrote it can't say that for literally any other episode we've ever watched or ever done. But um, yeah, we did. We read 7 to Eternity. We have lots of opinions. Mm-hmm.
2: Listen, we <laughs> took your advice. You people recommended on TikTok it. and on Twitter and in our emails are always, people are always like, do 7 to Eternity. Do a 7 to Eternity episode. Do a 7 to Eternity episode. There's a very vocal I, fandom of 7 to Eternity.
0: I have such a hot take that nobody's going to like, but that's what I'm here for is the hot takes. This mm-hmm. It was a very mid-comic. I understand why people were putting it out there for our fantasy itch that we've been having. But I don't know if it, if it did what it was supposed to do for me. It was very interesting. Dallas and I had a conversation halfway through. Weren't really vibing with it. But it kind of kind of had a comeback. So I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see what all of us think together about the story. Because it's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. Yeah.
2: Before we get too deep, I think it would be beneficial maybe to talk about our relationship with fantasy as a genre in general Mm -hmm. and like what we look for out of our fantasy, because I think all three of us love fantasy, but I Mm -hmm. honestly think we kind of have different tastes in fantasy, and that would be really interesting to me before we then approach Seven to Eternity and talk about how we all like it.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a really great idea. I feel like for me, off the top, I don't know if I know exactly how to put into words my feelings about fantasy. I feel like fantasy as a genre has su- always been something that's super prominent in my life. Like it's always drawn my attention for different reasons. And I feel like every every book, every adventure I've had with it varies a little bit. I I'm still so new into, like, having complex thoughts, just in general, but about (laughs) about fantasy and, like, what types of books I like. And this podcast really is, like, a huge aid of, like, letting me really hone in my tastes about things that I like, which is super fun. Um, But I... Uh, have been reading a ton of fantasy recently, whether, whether it be with Dallas and our little book club or mine and Anne's little new book club that we started, which is super fun and way more f- cool because it's just girls. Um, but <laughs> there's just there's just so much. I feel like fantasy is such a deep well of fun like there's just so much there's different genres even within that fantasy because i mean we've mentioned it on the podcast before like dallas and i went on the whole game of thrones bender for like three months it's like a fever dream and then i had to like mourn that for like a month and a half because i didn't really find anything else i was vibing with which was so hard for me that's never happened before because i had never experienced a book like that before which was crazy Listen, to me.
2: A Song of Ice it's and Fire. Crazy. It's not even done. And it's the greatest book series of all time. Daenerys like, is I'm still sorry. alive,
0: everyone. Please.
2: Jon Snow <laughs> is still dead. And Daenerys is still alive.
0: How it should be.
2: The universe is still correct. The way God intended. Young Griff <laughs> is at Westeros. Oh. Euron Greyjoy is sailing for Old Town. I uh, he- Somebody Boy. bubble
0: wrap George, please. He's not. I'm gonna misery
2: his ass. I'm gonna misery his ass. Lock <laughs> oh, him
0: in his house. Lock him bust in the house. his
1: legs. Mm-hmm. My okay, favorite sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Back to.
0: <laughs> we'll get you eventually, Em.
2: Hey,
1: okay, yeah. We're there we go. Tap away hey. at
2: you. <laughs> Fuck you, yeah. lady.
1: Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> spice, spice. Oh, we love her. Things heating but... up in the comics oh. collective.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Goodness sakes, alive! um But no, I really did have like a serious mourning period for those books when I finished them. I like didn't know what to do with my life afterwards. And then Dallas introduced me to *Fairytale* by Stephen King, which again, holy shit, that was like a fever dream. I finished that sucker so damn fast. And then yeah, again. Listen morning period Tragedy. all the
2: credit for that has to go to ann for being like dallas there's this little old man he lives in maine he's the greatest writer to ever live and i said ann fine and i read the gunslinger and i went that is weird as hell and then i was like gosh rare l from ann yeah and then i was like i'm not gonna read anymore stephen king for a while and then i went to barnes and noble to get luda from Grant Morrison. That's a weird book. No one but me should read that. Just by the way. I want to de-influence. Don't read that book. It's weird as hell. I liked it, but I don't want to explain to anyone else why I liked it. And I don't want to look them in the eyes if they also like it. Mm -hmm. But, on that same day, Fairy Tale came out. And, in an era of terrible covers, which we are in, that had one of the most evocative, wonderful covers (sighs) ever. And I... Just kept going back to the bookstore and being like, I've got to know what the fuck is happening inside that. And so I picked it up and I mean, 10 Stephen King books later, I read 700 pages of The Stand yesterday. That's how good fairy tale is.
0: It is insane. Like if I could recommend a book to anybody for the literal rest of my life, it would probably be that. Like I was just telling Dallas earlier today. We have an uncle who is like obsessed with fairy tales, like fairy tale-esque stories, like fantasy. And we had a hilarious conversation because he doesn't like anything else. He's very much like my father. They're basically clones, but he sometimes likes things. Um, And I literally had a conversation for like 45 minutes with the dude about this book. So if he can like it, anybody can like it. But it just, is such a fun genre. And there's so many different, Wormholes and like side cubbies and like weird things that you can get into. I won't mention any of the other books that I'm reading right now
1: because <laughs> will wow, clock wow, me.
0: Wow, wow. TikTok got a hold of me. Everybody, save me! I'm down the thorns th- and roses wormhole. S.O.S. Some
2: fairies. Some fairies got her in a chokehold. Frankly, <laughs> she can be like Carson. I'm gonna call upset. you Thranduil. Carson, I'm gonna call you Thranduil tonight, and you're just gonna have to go with it, okay? <laughs> and he's like Damn, he's not okay. complaining
0: he's not complaining about a single thing i'll tell you that oh. anyway good times there's something for everybody Listen, this comic every
2: once in a while you need some clitorature it's what the people need
0: oh, don't ever put that word back in my mind
1: <laughs> the woman could not speak she was <laughs> she was too-, <laughs> too stunned to speak oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh.
0: But no. So (laughs) going into this comic, I was really excited and I feel like I have no idea why, because sometimes it'll just happen to me. I was not instantly hooked with this and it took me a really, really long time to get into it. And when I finally did, I was like, okay. All right. I can, I maybe understand why people like this. And then the last like six pages happened and I was like, oh. Wait a minute! I have to sit with my thoughts for the next twenty minutes and convince myself I liked it? Question mark. I think I did. That's where I'm sitting. I think I liked it. <laughs> it's a little
1: bit of a whirlwind, though. I'll tell you that. Oof. Love that. Best way to describe it. <laughs> my experience with fantasy. I was. I went for the longest time in my life thinking I just did not care for fantasy. Every time I thought about fantasy, I thought about Lord of the Rings, Sword and Sorcery, and I just I it never it never interested me. I just it I it, it didn't click. But then my my dumb young brain grew up and I realized, idiot, your favorite series of all time is fantasy, Star Wars. I'm so into Star Wars, and that is nothing but fantasy. Nothing but fantasy. And I realized too late in life that fantasy could be so much more than like the little box I was putting into fantasy is literally anything and getting to explore and try out different things and just seeing how far the genre could go and a lot of comics a lot of superheroes go into that that realm as well there's a lot of crossover there and I started to realize that fantasy is the perfect genre for me because anything is fair game I what I look for when I'm looking for fantasy is I look for something that's far enough away from here to feel fantastic and fun but not something that's so far away that i can't find my footing in it and not i don't feel like i'm tumbling through this this world that i can barely understand i need that balance somewhere in between um and this comic definitely felt at a lot of times like it was something that i was kind of falling through where it's like i'm not sure if i got my footing i would i would feel it occasionally but i just stumbled a lot of the way through this comic and i landed at the ending i i not i stuck the landing but i'm trying to figure out if the journey was worth it it was pretty to look at along the way though
2: what are some of your favorite fantasy stories you found since (sighs) falling into fantasy
1: because like you love american gods that's fantasy Mm -hmm. oh yeah i love american gods there's there's one i don't talk about a lot it's the um the first book is called Storm Dancers by Jay Kristoff. It's like this steampunk fantasy in this really polluted world where this woman finds the last remaining griffin and she rides it and does a lot of really cool shit. And it's so, so fun. Um, Jay Kristoff is actually a really great writer. His um, Never Night books are also really, really good. V.E. Schwab writes some fantastic books as well. A Darker Shade of Magic. Um, I'm just st- of course, The Dark Tower. It's there's there's a lot. I even finally came around and played Skyrim and enjoyed Skyrim, and I've been trying for like ten years to enjoy Skyrim. So it's fi- it finally happened.
2: That game ruined my life.
1: <laughs> I know, and I'm so sorry. I've heard this tale many times. Cut me deep.
2: Mm-hmm. I have definitely heard the name Ve Schwab. I just don't remember for what book. But gosh, fantasy novels specifically. Mm-hmm. have such a choke hold on me like fantasy everything else is great but there's something about a fantasy novel that really just takes me to such a safe place and such an enjoyable swept up world like there are few things that get my attention as fully as a great fantasy novel like i like all sorts of things but I mean, it all goes back to Lord of the Rings for me. Like, I know that's kind of like a a dirty word for some people. I always see on TikTok there are people that are like, what's a red flag in a man? It's like, Lord of the Rings nerd. And I was like, (laughs) word, word. My wife won't even try watching him with me. But (laughs) Lord of the Rings is one of the earliest things that I truly loved. Like, I shared him with my dad. Those Peter Jackson films were my favorite movies. Like, I watched them over and over again. Gollum scared the pants off of me. But there was just something about them that kept me coming back. So many things in my life are built off of the foundation that those Peter Jackson films built. And finding The Hobbit, the book, was a game changer for me. I've read The Hobbit probably more times than any other book in my life. I love that book. I would finish it and I would go right back to the first page and just start reading it again. I truly did go there and back again, over and over again with Bilbo Baggins. I, it's a huge influence on me, what I love, the things I look for in stories. When I finally got around to the Lord of the Rings books, I was devastated to find out that somehow they were better than those movies, which I didn't think was possible. Hell, I even read the Silmarillion, and I can't say that I loved the Hobbit Bible, but I sure did read it, and I did find some of it very interesting. And then other times I was like, Shmermerle went on down to Spagangala, and there was no, like, Paul or normal-ass name. Or even, Bilbo Baggins is a stupid name, but at least it's a stupid name you remember. Whereas some of those elf names in the Silmarillion are you could Chinese water torture them into my brain and they would leave. Like, it's impossible. But I kind of went on reading books outside of comics hiatus during college because I had a very reading heavy major. And so it wasn't until last year that I really started reading novels again in earnest. And it was that reading of A Song of Ice and Fire with Alexis that really got me launched back into fantasy novels. and I've just been having a blast with them. I think what makes fantasy so impactful for me is it is a place for our problems to go and safely battle out to find out right and wrong. You know, like sci-fi often still feels too close to home in it's working through the issues of our day. And you can sometimes walk away like, man, we're screwed. You know, like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi book will be like, and these are the decisions you're making right now that leads to that world. Will really just kind of bum me out sometimes. Whereas in a fantasy novel, it can be the exact same setting. It can be like... The world is in shit and there's a dark Lord that's in charge of everything. And this ragtag group of people have to overthrow it. And instead of being overwhelmed by the fact that there's a dark Lord running everything, I feel so hopeful and invested in the people who are going to stop it and the people who are going to make the world right. And I think at the core of there's it's much more rare in fantasy and we'll get into this as we talk about seven to eternity for the book to not end in a way that makes you feel like there's some hope in the world. And that's a message I consistently come back to like the book. I just finished this week. That is high fantasy, the way of Kings. There were moments in that, that like inspired me to be a better man. That I was like, I want to be just like that character. I want to be that kind of person. And I think that's something really special that fantasy brings, is it gives you role models, it gives you a framework to build your life around without getting too weighed down in some of the hard parts of real life.
1: Beautifully said.
0: Definitely. So fantasy is just so fun. And it's also just like such a safe place for so many people. Like everybody has something that they can find that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. You can all hold hold hands together as you read about dragons. (laughs) But
2: I mean, I just I think about like the Aragon series, reading those in elementary school or Fablehaven. They were just like fantasy books were some of my first friends. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, I was a lonely little kid that had a thousand friends in fantasy books, and it was it's just fun. There's something so gripping about them for me personally. And so what's so hard for me sometimes is I love fantasy. And yet there are so few fantasy books in comics that I love. Like I would argue that Saga is a fantasy comic and it's my favorite comic of all time. Mm -hmm. But it's fantasy in the same way that Star Wars is where you're like, yeah, it's fantasy. But like come on like it's also kind of like its own thing like when you say fantasy you don't think star wars but when someone's like star wars is a fantasy you're like yes it is and it rules and i feel like saga is that same way it's like saga is a fantasy comic and it's like yeah i guess you're right i don't know like every other fantasy comic i've read i kind of bounce off of and i wonder why that is
0: I feel like for me, one thing that I kind of picked up from reading this comic and then also a conversation that I had with Anne earlier this week about the book that we're reading together, um, I feel like one of my biggest, I guess one of my favorite things about listening slash reading a fantasy novel, um, I love coming up with the image of the characters myself. Like, it's really hard for that me to be like, oh, that's the hero? Mm -hmm. I did not imagine him blonde. That ruined it for me. He's not Sinbad? That's wrong. (laughs) That is a wrong opinion, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. So I just feel like for me, it's like such a creative flow in my mind that I kind of chafe against some of the images, not specifically in this book because the images were beautiful, And that's its own topic. But sometimes I feel like that's part of the fun is like imagining these huge creatures, these big battles, like these different characters that you're so emotionally invested in. I feel like that's one of the biggest draws for me. So I feel like that's kind of maybe why I'm having a hard time latching on to a fantasy comic.
2: So should we actually talk about Seven to Eternity?
0: Yes. I mean, if we have to. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Just kidding.
2: Who wants to go first?
0: I got to give my little mini spiel. Do you want to go, Dallas?
2: Sure. Um, Seven to Eternity is a book that takes a really long time to find its feet. And then once it finds its feet, it has some really strange things to say that are then brought home in a really satisfying, interesting conclusion. Like, I don't feel like I enjoyed what I was reading until about issue seven. And then from issue seven to 16, I was like, this is pretty good. And then I was like, this is pretty good. But there's some weird shit being said that I want to get into. And then Mm -hmm. 16 and 17 were like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. And that recontextualizes the bit that I liked. And it's a lot for me to chew on. And I think ultimately, my takeaway of 7 to Eternity, I've read a lot of Rick Remender. And so I know what Rick Remender likes to talk about. Rick Remender is someone who grew up in the 80s during the Reagan era and was a punk. Like he was into punk rock. He was in the skater scene. And he was very like rage against the machine, pushback against the man. And what has been so fascinating Since the Trump era, and since he's become very wealthy, and he's a middle-aged man now, his punk attitude has shifted into a, like, both sides of the argument are very annoying stance, you know, like... Mm -hmm. he's like yeah we can all understand that we hate the fascists on the right but like this woke mob is just as annoying and it like comes out a lot in his work where he wants to be like you gotta listen to both sides and you gotta be like trepidatious of everything and he really he's created his own which is not his own version of like radical centrism somehow he's like punk rocked so hard into being a white middle-aged centrist. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it, it really came through in his book, the scumbag, which he did right after this, but it kind of came out in this one as well, where Adam, the main character has all these debates with the mud King, who was like this fascist dictator about how, like, well, you really got to hear out both sides, you know, like, this fascist isn't such a bad guy once you get to know him. And like, aren't those people that oppose the fascist just as annoying. And I was just reading it and I was like, what the, what is the message of this book that like, we should get over our principles and just like befriend the fascists. Like, that's not something I agree with. Mm -hmm. And then the last two issues were about how him doing that, was selfish and led to him becoming a fascist. You know, like he both sides his way straight into being just as bad as the bad guy. And I couldn't tell if that was just like a fun twist in the story or if that was a real commentary on sort of like the both sides mentality that Rick Remender has been bringing to his books lately. Because like I said, the scumbag, which comes after this, like the whole premise of that is that like the right and left are just as annoying and evil as each other. And like what you got to do is just like be basically the dude from the Big Lebowski in the center of it all. And so I don't know, maybe I'm projecting too much onto this writer that I really liked before I was smart enough to kind of be like, wait a second, this
1: guy might be an idiot. <laughs> No, I I think you might be. Wasn't Rick Remender the one who wrote, like, Rogue or Scarlet Witch getting really, really mad that Magneto killed a Nazi?
2: Yeah, and he has the, like, the M-word speech from Uncanny Avengers. Like, he has a lot of centrist politics that starts to come out about, like, you know, actually, like, progressives can be just as oppressive as fascists. (laughs) Like, you should all just leave us alone, man. And I just, I don't know, it really, I don't know if it's always been there and I just didn't notice or if it's something that has like been sprouting up more and more in his recent work. But he's an author that I really used to connect with that now it's more like an interesting thought experiment to go through his books and like argue his philosophy, argue against his philosophy as I read. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you all have that experience while you're reading or was it just kind of me?
0: No, I definitely did. I feel like it just seemed off for me the entire time. See, I don't have much complex thoughts, like I said earlier, so it just felt strange. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Anne?
1: I don't, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in, in the same boat, to be honest. It's, and I can see some of what, like, Dallas is... I'm thinking back to that one issue where it's like the first one after they leave with the main character Adam and Mudboss, you know, the guy who looks like he was drawn by Quist, Everly and the bad guy who looks like he was drawn by Frank Quietly um, when they just, like, separate from the group and they have their first, like, little, um, solo adventure. There's that little contained story and it ended with, um, the bad guy using his, his, um, The protagonist nails and he calls back the spirit of his dad. And when his dad sees what he's doing, he just doesn't say a damn word, just walks away. And the only person left to comfort him is the fascist. And that to me feels a little bit like, hey, if you're going to take this really hard stand on this side, you're just going to leave these people in the middle with no one else but the other guy. So that's, now that you're talking about that, that's starting to to click through a little bit more because that was the first issue that really stood out to me. I'm like, there's a lot there's so much that happens in this book. Like it's speaking um, not from experience, because I would never ever wait until the day of recording to read an entire comics collective reading project. I (sighs) would never do that. (laughs) But I would say if I was, I would highly recommend against binging this book in one go because every, every issue will take you twice as long as you think it will to finish. It's, it's a heavy story and I'm not sure if it's because I was rushed. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of relieved to hear that you guys were both kind of mixed on it as well. Because I thought it was just because I rushed myself through this that I was like, maybe I was missing something or maybe I was missing lines. But yeah, it just it doesn't feel like it wants to take a side. And even at the end, there's like just the, the sudden end of it to me felt like it was just it's there because we needed an ending because we needed the good ending. It didn't really feel I'm, I'm still searching for a meaning in those last couple pages. I also, I feel like that feeling
2: of, did I miss a line came up for me a lot as well, where Mm -hmm. I kept being like, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel a little bit left behind. And I honestly think that one of the most fun and impressive parts of fantasy is the ability to transport you to a world you've never been in before. Right? Mm -hmm. Like. I feel like I have lived in Westeros. I feel like I have lived in Roshar. I feel like I have lived in Middle-earth. I know those places. I I know what they feel like. I know what they sound like. And I want to dedicate some time to talking about the masterclass from Jeromo Peña, but mm-hmm. I think that the main world of this place for me was never explained In a way that let me have my feet there. I think the balloon city had its moment. And I felt really like I understood that place. Mm -hmm. And then the garden with the fountain that would bring you eternal life. I wasn't fully. I was like, Oh, it's eternal life. I thought it was just going to heal him. That's weird. But both those places were explained and I understood them. And I felt a lot more grounded there, but like the regular world between them, I think there was such an effort to show, not tell, I just kept feeling like Stephen King says in on writing, like sometimes you just got to tell sometimes yeah. you just, you just got to tell it. Even if it's the least sexy way, I was just kind of like, tell me what the fuck is going on. Tell me mm-hmm. what this world is. Tell me how things work.
1: Like, let me
2: connect with this story.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to have that grounding. And if you're going to tell fantasy, cause you have to have that thing that we can latch onto like an anchor. Cause it's, everything is so foreign that it's so easy for you to get, to get lost in if you don't have that like guiding arrow, if you don't have your feet planted firmly on the ground, and I think this it works better as a whole piece. Like if you you were reading this like a novel and you could stop and take breaks, I think it works better that way. I couldn't imagine following this month to month because I would imagine myself picking up that first issue and having absolutely no idea what the story is about to give be about. because you have a book called Seven to Eternity because it's supposed to be like these seven people guiding the bad guy along the way and they're not even in the first issue. The, the whole plot of the book does not start until issue two. And that's one of that's one of my big comic pet peeves, where it's like, the first issue should tell you everything you need to know about what the series is going to be. And I think it, the first issue does a great job telling you everything about what you need to know about Adam, but it tells you nothing about what to expect going forward. And I just... I, I'm going to be very, very critical of this book. There were definitely moments that I liked, and most of it has to do with Jerome Pena's art. But it's, Mm -hmm. I got to admit, there's a lot that I feel like if it had taken the time to smooth those edges or, you know, make a solid stance on anything, whether it be the world, because the world feels, I I think that's the thing is like the world feels as loosey goosey as the themes in the story. And I need one of those things to stay concrete. Otherwise, I'm just like looking at a pretty painting and I'm like, this is really, really neat, but I have no idea what's going on. And yeah. I think that was, oh, let's you go.
0: Oh, no. I was just going to say, I feel like for me, there was a lot of, like, subcontext that I would have loved. Like, mm-hmm. just for whatever. And I feel like, um, <clears throat> to kind of piggyback off what you said about, um, like, missing lines, I literally thought that I skipped an entire issue or, like, an entire, like, page or two. Because the end of issue 16 is, like, one panel and then the beginning of page, of issue 17, like, they do not mix at all. They do not make any sense. Like, the one character, like, the pink butterfly lady, she's, like, outside fighting one bad guy at the end of 16. And then the start of 17, she's, like, carrying Adam to the Fountain of Youth, basically. And I'm like, how the fuck should he get in there? Is he dead? What happened? And it's, like, no explanation. They're just like, we're going. We're running with it. And I just feel like that was like the way I felt for literally the entire thing. Just very disconnected, very like, oh, I'm missing a puzzle piece or I can't look at the picture on the box to know where I'm supposed to go, you know?
2: Yeah. And what's really hard is like, I've seen Rick Remender do better work than this. You know what I mean? Like his politics aside, which I don't know if I even want to put him aside, because, like, it's become such a big part of his work recently to be like, you really should be nicer to us people in the middle. Like, Mm -hmm. shut up, man. Like, have a fucking backbone. But, like, Black Science is one of my favorite comics of all time. And the character in that reminds me of Adam, where, like, he makes wrong, selfish decisions. But in Black Science, the there's enough room and it's paced well enough that like I care when he makes bad decisions. I know why he's making them. I see the consequences around them. Like this character of Adam is the prototypical Rick Remender protagonist, where it's like, it's a guy who was traumatized by his dad and feels like he's failing his children who will make decisions that he knows are bad, but he makes them anyway. And then he'll have to live with the consequences. Like that's Mm -hmm. a Rick Remender character. In a nutshell. And. I've just seen that so much better. Than right here.
1: I did. What are our feelings on Adam? Because I realized just now thinking back. I I stopped caring about him. Probably around issue five or six.
0: I literally. That's the correct answer.
1: (laughs) I thought his powers were cool.
2: He had a cool Mm -hmm. design and a cool gun. But like. I didn't understand why he was making the choices he made. Right. Because mm. like I said, in black science, he does some fucked up shit in that book. But I'm like, gosh, but like, what do you do? Or even I was like, dude, don't do that. But like, I understand why you're doing that. Whereas in here, it felt like a record skipping on along, you know, it's like, <laughs> and all of it, like every choice he made did not make sense to me. And then I couldn't get my footing on why he was doing them. Like mm-hmm. I understand by the end of the book, the point is that he was being dishonest with himself and he did make the wrong choices. But I spent so much of this book just being like, what is happening? Like, why did you betray everyone? Where are you even going with this guy? Like, what is your weird relationship you have with them? You say you be- becoming friends. Like I, mm-hmm. it just felt like a bunch of scenes that weren't connected And a character arc that I was being told instead of reading about.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I I feel like for me, for some parts of it, I was like trying to rationalize like their relationship too, like their quote unquote friendship. I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, like, oh, maybe this is like his weird way of getting over the fact that his dad was weird, you know? Like, is this like. His, this was his dad's friend, maybe like he's getting closure over his dad's death, but I was like, that doesn't even make any sense either, like, mm-hmm. all of the thoughts I was trying to have didn't have any grounding, so I was like, okay I guess that's not right then, like, okay
1: It's, it's interesting, because there's definitely stories to tell about the way that like, fascist ideologies like to take hold of people, and how that can happen, and this is just it's one of those where it's like, I don't understand how even the dumbest of dumb could fall for what the mug king did in the story where it's like you get to the end where he's like i was playing you the whole time it's like yeah you dumbass of course he was i i like i can't it's this it has to be a character with zero zero empathy in the world to 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 get to the point where we are when they split off, I can't get over the fact they're like split. They split off. He's like, I'm gonna follow you now. I trust you. And It's like you're literally in a swamp that hates him because he marched an entire fucking race in here to drown themselves, and you're like, this guy might have some serious look. He a little genocide. He, he, I can forgive a little genocide. Um he Just he just had the mothers drown their babies and then the husbands drown the mothers. It's 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 fine. It's fine. I this guy he's got some good ideas actually. I'm like no. No one does. It's the um, it's the meme I've been seeing going around lately where it's like, um, you you keep bullying me. I'm being bullied. And it's the guy shaving his head and getting a Nazi tattoo. He's like, I feel so bullied right now. I can't believe you're making me do this. And mm, I, th- that is this character. That is this character. This is the guy who got bullied by the, the white mask lady into, jo- into becoming a Nazi. It's oh, so, like wow. that one lady was mean to me because she was exactly right about what I would do.
0: The white lady. That character that character altogether, I was just like, Wait a minute, what is going on? I was like w t f
1: yeah, I speaking of like things being grounded, i most of the powers in this I could understand I could not for you know for any amount of money, tell you what was up with the white lady. She was I'm so just like she reminds me the- she reminds me of the flash, the like alternate reality flash that has like a lantern from the d c comics, but I have no- No, that wasn't the Flash. That was the Green Lantern. I'm so dumb. Um, But otherwise, I'm like, she does magic shit. And sometimes a lot of the things in this could be summed up as, hey, they're doing magic shit. Just that's always... Question mark? Well, that's what's so hard
2: is that sometimes people use magic as just they're just doing magic shit. And Mm -hmm. I want to understand why. I want to understand what it is that they're doing. I think that's what's so fun about like Brandon Sanderson's books is like, you know, what's going on. Like there might be description. There might be a little bit of a like, man, it feels like you're reading me a rule book right now. But then once you're in the story though, you know, the rules, you know what they're doing, you know what they can and cannot accomplish. And I was willing to hand wave the white lady's powers enough until like they became important it became important <laughs> that adam had the lantern and they're like don't you go in there and i was like why not what's even in there what's yeah. wrong with the lantern was like, it was like this big reveal and it's like oh she drew from the well and i was like you what keep well? saying this thing and no one's ever told me what it is and then he goes in and like apparently god lives there and has a book and i just like it felt like it the lantern and the well became very important
1: without ever bothering to tell me what they were. Mm -hmm. It feels the narrative feels surrealist at times where it's like the, there are rules, but I will not tell you them. And you just have to kind of imagine I magic is something that works best with a system, whether it's loose or very, very strict. Like Brandon Sanderson has very, very strict magic systems. Um, Whereas someone like Doctor Strange is going to be a bit more loosey-goosey. But at least you know there's a system. You can't... You're not going to have random bullshit surprise you. The, there was so much random bullshit that surprised me in this book. But I it's... I
0: also... Oh, yeah. sorry. Go
1: for, no, I'm, I'm done.
0: <laughs> um, I was just going to say... And there were also, like... There were so many characters that had such great potential. Like, th- that's the other part that's, like, so sad to me. Like... Hell, that one Penelope bitch. What the fuck is up with that little bell? Bring her back. She was was, the most interesting character that existed to me. I was like, she dead. What in the world? This is three pages in. What? I would love context. What's she doing?
1: (laughs) Her bell changes reality. And it lasts like five seconds. I'm like, I'm not sure why it stopped. But she does it like one more time and then she's dead. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Something (sighs) weird's going on. I want more shit like this. It doesn't happen. But- and um what my favorite member of this group was the first one who died. Oh. What her name was like Patchwork or something. Yeah, she's cool. just like she was that the coolest was, one. When they cut off her arm and she's like, Excuse me, I'm gonna borrow yours, thank you. Yeah. And it just grows under her, I'm like, that's now that's cool. I'm here for this. And her her origin was just terrifying Ooh. and awful. But like she's- but then, then we get like to the, the part only
0: character that got a story right? <laughs> so she died.
1: Then we get to the part where she dies And she's like oh well she can't recover from that She got her head bashed and I'm like she had scars Like she had stitches all up and down yeah. her face it looked like her face had come together from different people What do you mean she can't recover from a brain injury I, I'm so confused What the yeah. limits here are And
2: what's so hard is that You get these glimmers Of Him being better like Rick Remender is better than this You know, like, there are moments in the story like, that's a really creative power. That's a really cool character. That's a really cool concept. And it just felt like he just didn't do anything with it. And as a fan of Rick Remender's past work, there are times I've seen him do something with it. And so it's just like, I just, I feel a little lost with this book, where I'm just like, it kind of, I was reading a book recently, and there was a chef in it that was, proud of the fact that he had made something gross with all good ingredients and he's like he was like experimenting right and he's like i put all a bunch of things that should taste great together and it came out sour like i did it and this book feels like that a little bit or it's like mm-hmm. jerome pena is a great artist rick remender is a pretty good writer i i would have said great in the past but he's had a spotty track record for me recently fantasy is interesting. This world seems interesting. These characters seem interesting. Even like the overarching plot of like someone who was raised as a radical, slowly being radicalized to the other side because of the anger they have towards their upbringing. That's interesting. And it Mm. somehow all just came out. (sighs) Except for when it wasn't, which is even worse.
0: That's the trickery of it. It gets you. (laughs) Uh, And there was another like crazy plot point. Like as I'm flipping back through the pages, I would love to remember what that butterfly lady's name is. I want to say it's Janessa, but I know that that's not true because that's the name of a butterfly in the Barbie movie. But starts with a J. Uh, I think her name is Miss.
2: I think her name is Miss Magoo.
0: Miss Magoo, yes, let's use that. Miss Magoo, um, Miss Magoo makes a whole plot point of like, I'm going to kill Adam with this weird toad man. Then, then, then that never happens, <laughs> never once. Yeah, like it's a whole oh. thing. She's like, you will never quit until you kill Adam. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah.
1: <laughs> See, I don't disparage man with toad on his back. Because man with toad on his back is my favorite character. I do love. That. He was. He's, he's. He made fucking sense. <laughs> his sword like, with an eyeball made sense. Got a sword with an eyeball and a frog that points me in the direction of my greatest fortune. <laughs> and then apparently, like, my greatest fortune was friendship the entire <laughs> time, and that was that was insane. My my thing with um Madame Magoo is how the fuck did she get out of the swamp? Because the last thing we yeah. see is adam like looking for is like oh she's gone and then the next issue it's like oh we got an artist switch and now she's on a hill <laughs> she's just what? on a random fucking hill they're like we found her don't know how she got here i don't think it's ever said or it how they're like said. he
0: left her he abandoned her and he's like son of a bitch where is she he's like scooting through the water like trying to find her and mud king's like yeah sorry she's gone <laughs> yeah no, that was funny
1: Awesome, then they go to the, the, the dark city where everyone's just tits out.
0: Yeah.
2: I was like, Literally. dang, James Heron wanted to draw some tits. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Go off.
1: Said so we're gonna do it. We'll get what do we think about the art change? It was very jarring.
2: <laughs> it was weird, but like I didn't mind. I like James Heron's art. So I feel I was like, like it kind
0: of accentuated the weirdness of that town though. Like a little bit. I was like, hmm, this seems like a weird place. And I think the art's making it more weird.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I sometimes I wonder if this book is so jarring because 17 issues came out over the course of five years. Like you think
1: the story changed along the way?
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When you take year long breaks, I've never finished low because I felt so angry that the last volume had a four year gap between it and the rest of the story. And then three issues in, it took another two year gap before the last two issues. So I've never read those last two issues. Cause I was like, what the hell, man, what is, what's going on? Like, granted, I'm not making these comics, but there's a, a track record of Rick Remender just getting bored, I guess with series. And then like, Finally stuttering back to give them an end. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to feel invested in these stories until they're all the way finished. But then even once they're all the way finished, you can feel the gaps. You can feel the stutters and starts.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense because honestly, I really liked the what we were getting at the beginning, like the, the pitch where it's like, hey, these people, they are through the um the evil ro- lord ruler, but they have to literally take him across the entire land they have to take him across all the land to get him to that witch who's gonna cure him before they can kill him. And having that like hostage situation, having to go on that, you know, huge long hobbit journey, carrying the world's deadliest person with them. That's great. that's great. The stakes are great, the tension's great, but we abandon it so quickly and it just like, I know you said the issues picked up for you after that, but they kind of like dove off of me because I'm just like, I I feel like we fell into moral and thematic obscurity.
2: Yeah. Do we want to spend some time on Jerome Pena now? Yes. Let's talk about things that we liked. The Perfect Boy. Wow. Every character design, stunning. Gorgeous. Every big splash page of a world. I was like, I want to be there. I want to be in that balloon city. I want to be in that garden. What are these strange giants in the background? They're like dead I... against the mountains. Oh. What's going on with walk? them?
0: Are they alive? Are they sleeping? Do they just sit there for fun?
1: Mm-hmm. It they? was stunning. It was stunning. Like every page of this was stunning. The colors. I know Matt Hollinsworth did the colors. He did fantastic when yes. we got to the the floating series when we got to oh. avatar but with like the flying ships and the balloon people and everything there I'm like this is okay now I'm now I beautiful. see the vision this is mm-hmm. gorgeous this is a beautiful beautiful painting and I I don't know it's there were definitely parts of this book where it's like I want to just stop reading and just look at the pages I wanted I could spend hours looking at each panel because they're just, just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt I, shortchanged. I to spend more th- yeah, I wanted to spend more time in places like this little Toadstool Island where there's like all the... And it's not because there's sexy fairy people hanging out, but there's sexy p- fairy people hanging out and they are for like one page? You gotta be kidding me. Insane. Yeah. The, um, I can't.
2: Even just like, like the bow and arrow that shoots eels? That's dope as hell. So
1: crazy. Yeah. The
2: gun that shoots the blood bullets that bring back the memory of the person, the blood comes from. That's so cool. And, but also half the shots don't even mean anything. Don't even make sense. Like they make a point. It's like, we've only got five shots. And I was like, sure. Feels like you
1: Sounds wasted like them all.
0: Sounds <laughs> like was... that one comic about that guy that you told me about one time that has like the bar of his superpowers. And then it never runs out
1: Spawn, Yes. Yeah. It's on. yeah. <laughs> There is a spawn variant cover at the back of this book. Oh no! Um, yeah, those. I thought those bullets were going to be more important because the first time he uses it, he has this whole spiel about how this is literally his brother's soul and how that like affects everything. But then he like apparently wastes the next two, and he's like, "Well, this one's my dad." And then I think he gives one for his dad, his mom, and his brother. I don't remember what the fourth or the fifth. I think were there five was, a, was one of them. There was a grandma, and then there's just like a general ancestors. One that was a bunch of blue eels.
0: And they all were mad at him.
1: Okay, yeah, I remember, I remember that, that one. I'm looking at that one right now. Best character but design. Like, um White Lady. Oh, I liked her a oh, lot. See.
2: I she love the goblin. Close. The little Irish goblin. Dank. <laughs> I like his purple face.
1: Goblin <laughs> mm-hmm. was fun.
0: I loved Penelope. Penelope, I, I don't know. I just feel like she was the most interesting character to me, and I loved her design and her little punk bell. I thought it was pretty rad.
2: I loved, I I loved the flute guy. That is such a cool power.
0: <sighs> Piper.
2: Uh,
1: so you cooler Corvus Glaive. Yes.
2: Yes, cooler Corvus cool. Glaive. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll I soon. don't even
2: remember Penelope. I gotta go I don't back and look she again. Like, but she I remember the, bell. In the
1: canyon. Oh wait, now I remember what she looks like. She was very cool.
0: Yeah, she's on the cover of volume two, I think. What blonde oh. ponytail, pink.
1: Speaking of cool designs, characters that don't get their due, the four-armed lady, when they finally oh. meet his other son. Yes, she was wicked. That son was, cool. She, was very cool. she got a um. And her
0: little henchman.
1: Yeah, she got a Daniel Warren Johnson variant somewhere out there. And his, his son literally just um, Davy Jones.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, awesome.
1: Yeah, I need someone to explain to me how genetics work in this universe. Because okay. apparently the Mud King is half human, half goblin thing. And I don't understand how any of that worked. And then his son's got like hentai face. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this works. It's like how even there- had power- a cool power. Mucking yeah. had a cool power. See, a lot of the powers in here work really, really well on their own. Also, the animal designs are so cool. I love the like um the little lion with like the sea anemone um tendrils hanging off of it. So so cool. Just now, just silence as we look at these.
0: <laughs> I know we're all looking at the pictures like while oh! we're talking about it.
1: You you know why this comic's mid? Because they killed off the dinosaur with the teleporting fucking mouth and like him. three. I Dude comes him. breaking through a door and I'm like, okay, this comic's cooking. <laughs> this this comic's cooking now. We're we're moving. Uh, Man chomps and sends you to like the fucking shadow realm.
0: That's so cool. That I think that is the coolest character design giant dinosaur that a teleport. Teleporting Mm -hmm. mouth to hell.
2: I, like, even just the premise of we're going to follow this cowboy through a high fantasy land. Because, like, I understand that, like, the Dark Tower series is a cowboy fantasy, right? But, like, this really feels like a cowboy in, like, a Lord of the Rings land. It's like, that is cool. Wow. And it just doesn't feel like they ever do anything with that. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: If you want a book that does do something with that, check out The Dark Tower by Stephen King.
2: I will. It's uh, <laughs> hot. I'm gonna continue. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't wait until you get to the lobstrosities and the suicidal steam engine.
2: I don't even know what that means, but I love it.
1: You're gonna love it. It's great. Um The Dark Tower is fucking insane. Funny.
0: What I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm so- trying to Sorry, I'm so curious. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm. I was gonna say I'm so curious what people are actually saying about this because I have never seen or read anything about anyone talking about this, and I like would love to know what other people think. I don't know. Maybe tweet me, peeps. Yeah, tell me how you think because I don't. I'm not getting it.
1: The reception for this episode is gonna be really interesting because so a lot of people wanted us to do this one, and yeah. It seems to have clicked with a lot of people. And for everyone listening, I know that this is, it's its never easy to to have, to like something to hear that it didn't click with other people. I would like to say, first and foremost, I'm so sorry that this did not click with me as well as it did with you. Um, yeah. The fact that it does click with people, though, is is good. I'm glad that someone clicked with this because there's, there's definitely beauty here. And there's also parts of me that are like, maybe I would understand it more if I read it through a second time. Because the yeah. stories that are this having dallas is shaking his head, dallas Absolutely his not. head. I, i'm giving i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt because I, I i will do that a lot
0: and just, we're so good at giving people the benefit of the doubt because people have to give us the benefit of the doubt for our love for twilight so we get it
1: oh okay that we makes get sense.
0: being trash goblins
1: yeah <laughs> this is this is the episode we're gonna get our first hate mail on oh <laughs> i, I will literally
0: cry if people send me hate mail please don't <laughs> or i'll just delete it in my twitter dm like i did the one time <laughs> wait you got hate mail I got somebody who called me dumb and I said, delete.
1: <laughs> I want an at. I
0: I will... don't even know. It was like months ago and I was like, hmm, touch grass.
1: <laughs> I will end them. It was hilarious. People, people are so weird in DMs. Apparently, I found out that someone was spreading around my dead name in people's DMs being <gasps> like, this is who she really is. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we should be able to just
0: burn people like witches.
1: Still. <laughs> <laughs> Such sh- People don't like, burn kids like they used to.
0: <laughs> we
1: used to be a real country.
0: <laughs> hey, what can I say? Seems like an appropriate punishment.
2: Listen, Alexis and Rick Remender both. So I think that Rick Remender's point where he snapped and stopped being a good writer for me is when that person like canceled him on Twitter for not paying... His dues for like a cover oh, they drew, right? And everyone like soft canceled Rick Remender for two weeks. I wonder if that was his vanishing point where he was like, You know, the left, they're that was just the as
0: villain. bad as the right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the villain origin story, right there.
2: Or like the reception of his, The Mutants Really Should Quit Crying So Much About How Everyone Is Mean To Them speech in Uncanny <laughs> Avengers yeah i'm sorry killing a nazi
1: is just as bad as killing anyone else never do it don't kill nazis friends make them kill them in their faces (laughs) kill them in the face don't kill them it ends the fun too fast don't
0: kill them just burn them like witches
1: that's what i'm saying burn them put them out with a fire extinguisher and then burn them again exactly
2: yes i would like it to be known we are a nazi punching podcast (laughs) <laughs> we have always been pro Nazi punching. Listen, I realize we probably say stupid things every once in a while, but I yeah. do want it to be very clear. We are on the side of the Nazi punching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Punch them in I... their throats. <laughs> it is always morally correct to punch mm-hmm. a Nazi. Mm-hmm.
0: It, you cannot go wrong. Never. We could change this. Yeah.
2: You've heard of Shirtless Bear Fighter, the comic. <laughs> this is the Shirtless Nazi Fighter podcast.
0: <laughs>
2: oh jeez. <no. laughs> uh, oh, should we do the two listener questions we got
0: absolutely, absolutely. i'd love to see Jinx. what they have to say
2: Damn. i'll read the first one Hi, all. Hope you're all well. So many of the books you cover I haven't gotten around to yet, so it's always fun when you cover a book I've already read. Where would you rank Seven to Eternity among any other Rick Remender books you've read? I've also read the first few trades of both Black Science and Deadly Class, and I think I prefer them to Seven to Eternity. However, I enjoyed all three. Thanks. Excited to hear the episode? Joe loves slash talks comics. Joe. There are a lot better Rick Remender (laughs) comics out there. Uh, Black Science, probably my favorite one. Ooh, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance is his newest one. That one actually cooks. I, maybe he got all the shit out of his system. I don't know. But that felt like old Rick Remender again. That one has some good old-fashioned Nazi punching. It feels like John Wick is crazy. I highly recommend A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Um, What other Rick Remender uh. books do I love? low low is really good like i said though i've never finished it though because i got real grumpy mm-hmm. i should go back and finish it because i really like have... that one and that one actually felt like i had a thesis mm-hmm. this book
1: doesn't have a thesis yeah what is the thesis of seven to eternity i got most of the i got most of the way through the first volume of low it's pretty fun rick Remender is in a class where it's like i've Liked things that he's written but I've never loved Things that he's written I know that Evan will swear by deadly class And I haven't read any of it yet But black science was a lot of fun I just haven't read the second volume yet
2: I love black science It's probably my favorite one Low is really great But I think black science is my favorite
1: I'd be really interested to go back and revisit his Captain America
2: Evan swears by that one too I've never read it I don't know I want us to, like, read a good Rick Remender book on the show now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember I read that Captain America back when it came out, but that was, like, 10 years ago. So, I, it was interesting.
2: You know one thing I can say about Rick Remender? He always works with the best artists in the business. Always. His mm-hmm. books are always gorgeous. Which is cool. Tom King has that same trait.
1: Lexi, is this the only Rick Remender you read?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so does I can't the, compare it to anything. But
2: Does this make you want to go and read a better Rick Remender? Or does this make you just be kind of like, eh, this guy's not really for me?
0: Uh, I feel like it maybe not really for me. But I would be open to reading another one on the podcast. Uh-huh. I'm always open to read anything on the podcast. I Unless
2: think something that's, something that's really telling about this is I wouldn't have finished this if it wasn't for the show.
1: Me too. Same. I you know, like been.
2: I just there's so many because... other things
0: that I want to grab
2: yeah so like this this was a labor of love and I ultimately I think it was it more so cathartic to like talk crap about this book together and like talk about what didn't make it work it's I not a think... bad comic
1: yeah,
2: it's just no. like it could have been better
0: our next listener question just like rips out my heart after this entire hour and three minutes of our conversation <laughs> makes me feel like such a villain. Oh, Steve. <laughs> oh, Steve, Steve. I'm so sorry. Steve, we love you and your opinions. We are so sorry that we just shit-talked your favorite comic of all time for an hour. We understand if you don't want to be our friend
1: anymore. <laughs> no, but I think it'd be awesome. I would love to hear what makes this your favorite comic of all time. That is true. I'm you always open us. to, like, if something didn't work for me, I want to know what made it work for other people.
0: That is true. I did say that earlier. I would love to know what people what what caught people's eyes.
2: So who's gonna read the next question?
1: I can read the next one. (laughs) Well, hey. Sorry, Steve. Seven to Eternity is my all time favorite comic book. It hit me through a phase of my life if rather for I'd rather forget. The artwork is sublime, as is the coloring. That we can agree on absolutely yes. 100%. Yes, yes. Anywho, some questions I have. Why did it take five years to release 17 episodes? Because Rick Remender is a punk ass. And
2: <laughs> yeah. I like him a lot, but he's a punk ass. Also, Jerome Pena, slowest, one of the slowest artists. You know, all those cross hatching lines that are in his work, all those insane details. When you look at these pages and you're like, wow, that is so detailed. Every single one of those is a line so his art style just takes a long time to do
1: that checks out looking at the art in this book it's yeah this could not be a weekly like a monthly comic book there's no way yeah um what happened to rick remender and jeroma pena they've gone they've both gone radio silent well i think we talked a little bit about what happened to rick remender um got soft canceled um Jerome Opeña, though, I do not know. Do you have any information, Dallas? No, I don't. But also, some context that Chip Zdarsky gave us.
2: Here's a little pluggy plug. On our interview with Chip Adarski, he actually talked about Rick Remender and about how, like, there it was basically just a misunderstanding between Rick and this artist that then got, like, brought out for everybody. And then all these people, like, jumped down Rick Remender's throats. And Chip was like, as someone who's worked with Rick Remender and like in all of our creator group chats, we're all like, what is going on? Because like Rick is very well known for being like great to work with on that front, like pays very well, pays very on time. Like it's like this seems like a misunderstanding that everyone is like jumping down this guy's throat for now. But I do think it affected Rick Remender. Um, He also he just released a new book. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he was very busy with the Deadly Class television show. But since that got canned, it seems like he's back on his comics because A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance came out at a monthly clip, which is crazy for a Rick Remender book. And it was fantastic. So hopefully that bodes well for things to come, because like I said, there are some Rick Remender books that I adore. This wasn't really one of them, but... I highly recommend, if you didn't hear about A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance that he did with Andre Lima Arojo, it was probably my favorite comic book of last year. It was awesome. Especially, like, John Wick 4 just came out. If you like John Wick, read A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance.
1: Awesome. And good plugs. Will we see spinoffs or follow-ups? Um, I don't think so. The only thing I think I'd be interested in would be what was going on with Katie after she got resurrected because it took her like two hundred years. years to to figure her shit out. She's gone through it. Which, <laughs> to be on fair, and also only like half. I only like I'm half sure about how she got brought back in the first place. I'm not really a hundred percent on that one.
2: Listen, they put her body in that suit of
1: armor, okay. Don't ask any more questions. Okay,
0: okay, that is all you need to know.
1: Also, there, are we going to talk about the fact that millions of people died at the end of this book, and we don't? It <laughs> is another that? point
0: that that's so under talked about.
2: <laughs> or when they drop that city out of the sky, and they're like, "Man, this is crazy." Anyway, back to the plot.
1: <laughs> it's like we have like a little genocide, just like comes and goes in the story. It's it's a it's a Tuesday.
2: Listen. Se- the seven in Seven to Eternity is for how many genocides are going to happen. Oh, shit. In the plot.
1: <gasps> oh, my gosh. They
2: sent you- seven populations to eternity
1: in this book. I'm going to scream. Do we like the two comics not drawn by a penia?
2: I did. I like James Heron. And I thought since oh. both of them happen in the same issue and none of them have, they don't have Adam in them at all. They're probably my two favorite issues of the whole book, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I liked them. I feel like they, I didn't love them as much, but I don't think that they were bad in any way.
1: I liked them more for the characters. I liked the bit of cartoonishness it added, especially to Man with Frog on his back.
0: I, I was going to say, I liked Man with Frog the best in those. Those were very fun.
1: Man with Frog um, rules. He's So cool. The frog's the best character in this whole thing. The frog's the, the f- only character in this thing that did nothing wrong.
0: That's true. That the frog, frog just is me. Wanted-
1: to gulp gold
2: Gold. and the sword tells you where to go to get it that Mm -hmm. is great bffs that's some good old fantasy bullshit i love it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's the silly billy that we want
1: (laughs) who's final question from steve who's your fan cast for a film or hbo tv show for me it's matthew mcconaughey as adam and indira varma as his wife to start oh you forgot his family was a thing I forgot his <gasps> family.
0: Gasp! Them? So did he.
1: <laughs> when you find um, out what actually happened to them, that was the moment when I realized, shit, I don't give a shit about Adam anymore because I'm more, cons- I'm concerned that they died. I don't, con- I don't care how it yeah. affects him. He's, he's awful, yeah. but they didn't deserve that.
0: They did not deserve that for sure. Um, Make one of the scars I put...
1: guards. I don't know. What? Make one of the
2: scars guards play Adam. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Someone I don't like. Who's good at playing assholes? Fuck Edward Norton. <laughs> he would be a good I Adam. Think, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know if necessarily this person would be good at Adam, but I want to see them in like a cowboy-esque type vibe is uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, yeah. Eye, and I was like, you should be a cowboy. Go be I a cowboy. See that. I want him specifically to be in Red Dead, the TV show. I'm like, go, you.
2: Did you see go him in Bullet Train?
0: That's what I was like, hello there. Divorce yeah. your grandmother and go back into being a free man,
1: please. <laughs> Spicy take. I don't know who I want him to play, but I want Alan Tudyuk in this. Maybe as squid face. <laughs> I don't know. I have a sudden craving for Alan Tudyuk. The character designs
2: it. in this are incredible.
0: Yeah. They're very fun. I think it could be a very fun TV show if it was more fleshed out as a story. Yeah. Like if we were given more. Like I love the characters. I love the potential. It could be fun, but I don't think that there's enough here to make a TV show.
1: There is not a budget in the world that anyone would approve to get this made as a TV show. There is <laughs> sure. no even animated, this would be so much. This With is one of the how- books there's like That's there's, there is the limit. Yeah, there is something that comics can do that a lot of visual media cannot.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how hard they had to fight to get a Dark Tower series approved on HBO or on Amazon Prime. And, like, that is much bigger than Seven to Eternity. Yeah. Ugh. This did make me want to go read the rest of Dark Tower, so maybe and should I read Misery next or should I jump right into the Dark Tower?
1: Do, do or should misery. I read Salem's Lot?
2: Misery? Salem's
1: Lot? If I'm I think parts of Salem's Lot might actually connect into the Dark Tower, so it might be worth they it. They do.
2: They yeah. do. That's why I read The Stand and I wanted to read Salem's Lot before I read Dark Tower because I heard those were the two that have the biggest connections.
1: Yeah, The Stand for sure. That one's Good old Rick Flag, Randall Flag. What are that you talking one? about, Rick? I'm I'm been reading comics all day. Shut up, Richard. I'm fake fan. Come on, girl. What you talking about, <laughs> Richard Phelps? Okay, <sighs> thank you, Steve. And again, I'm so sorry. You had to listen we to love us, you, Steve. Rip thank that apart just to hear your question.
0: I feel so bad.
2: <laughs> listen.
1: Go off, King. Steve, yeah. great work.
0: Love what you love, just like how I love my little raccoon trash Twilight for the rest of my life.
1: I've been I've been watching Moist Critical go through Twilight. It's been a it's been a journey.
0: Love it. I have more, I have more garbage can trash if you want to, Anne. Please. <laughs> I just discovered more.
1: <laughs> Do fantasy you wanna, garbage trash. Fantasy, <laughs> yes. Do you want to wrap up this episode then?
0: Absolutely. Oh. Everyone, thanks for joining us. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter accounts. Please let us know what you thought, like what you think, what you love about it. We want to know. Tweet us at the Comics Collective or at CMX Collective, sorry. And our TikTok account is at the Comics Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal Twitters at Dallas underscore comics at and comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics.
2: If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we'll read it off on the show. We got a very nice note in our DMs from a listener this week that made us all smile. We're not going to read it off on the show, but thank you, kind listener. And all of your words of affirmation always really help fill us up throughout the week. This is definitely something we love to do, but there is some work behind it, right? Like we all read a book... This week, we all made time. And so it really means a lot to hear from you that you're appreciating it because this could just be a fun book club we do, but we make it into something that you can be a part of as well. And so we really like when you let us know that it impacted you.
1: Yeah. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at the comics at gmail.com.
2: We will see you next week for an episode on a good comic. I'm just kidding. Seven to Eternity is fine. But the Inkall whips. I am so excited to read a comic that whips. It is French. It is crazy. People got their titties out. There are there's this guy with a wolf head and a giant penis. It's crazy. The French really went off with this one. They go to a mystical land where there's this woman that's like, hello, i a mystical woman. There's this little triangle called the Inca that they're all chasing around. This book is crazy. I love yeah. it. I hope you two love it. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm, I can't wait to read We're this out. on Painkillers. This is going to be a talk. great week. <laughs> Alright, see you next week.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.